Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. I don't intend to be long today. I mean, I feel like I've already been to church. Amen. Holy Spirit's in this place. He showed up. He's touched hearts and lives. And that's what it's all about. I do want to encourage you, as Nathan said, to be a part of the outreach in Frenchtown at the Dade Community Center a week from Wednesday night. We'll actually be serving food from 4 to 6, but we will stay and interact with both Griffin Middle School students and freshmen from FSU. We want to show them life and light and hope. It's interesting to me that after eight outreaches, we've received our first invitation from someone in the community to do something in the community. That's what it's all about. Amen? We want to touch hearts and lives, so I'm thrilled with what's happening there. This morning, I want to continue the series, Engage with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about engaging in generosity. Engaging in generosity. I know that made some of you pucker. Just get over it. It's going to be okay, I promise. And we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture verse by verse. I want you to take out a pen or a pencil, and I want you to underline some words as we read them. They'll be underlined on the screen as well as we walk through these Scriptures. Someone said to me years ago, well, I can't possibly mark in my Bible. That would be absolutely horrible. And I'm thinking, that's the way you learn. That's the way you learn. So mark it up right in the margins. That's why there's space there. Begin to make notes so you can learn and remember what God is speaking to you through his word. I'll remember the time I was in Mexico. I had a group there. We were building a church high in the Sierra Madre Mountains. And one of our guys had Montezuma revenge so bad. None of the medicine I brought was helping him. He was just in bad shape. And we were invited to go to a church about 40 miles away to preach one night. And uh, he wanted to go with us. And I'm thinking, I'm not stopping this van if you have a problem. You're just going to have to hold it. We got there, and he runs out of the van. He asks the pastor where the bathroom is, and the pastor directs him to the bathroom. It's, the door is just a, a sheet, and outside the door, there's a women's group meeting. Very interesting. And again, he has Montezuma's revenge, so it was very explosive. And uh, he came out a little while later. Uh, the women were giggling at him, obviously. And he said to me, there was no toilet paper in there. I said, what'd you do? He said, I tore out the blank pages in my Bible. I said, praise God. Aren't you glad you had a Bible? So I'm telling you, it's okay to mark in your Bible. All right? If Kent can use it for TP, you can mark it up and remember and learn. Amen? I want to talk to you this morning about the key to generosity is learning to trust and obey God. If we don't trust him, we will never be generous. If we don't obey him, we will never walk in that pathway of generosity. And let me qualify this by saying I'm not talking about money. That's the least of my concerns. What I'm talking about today is an attitude, a lifestyle that causes you to say the things of God are primary in my life. I will give him my time, I'll give him my talents, my abilities, and yes, I will give him my resources. But I understand to be generous 
It's not about the giving statement I receive at the end of the year. It's about what I'm doing for him every day of every week. God wants us to engage in generosity. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. I'm actually writing for, or reading from the contemporary English version because I just like the way it translates it. It says, my child, remember my teachings and instructions and obey them completely. I want you to underline or circle the word completely. Think it, put it in your mind, completely. Even if you have a different version, just write it out there, completely. And then it goes on to verse 2. The result of verse 1 is verse 2. If we obey his teachings and instructions completely, then they will help you live a long and a prosperous life. Then look at verse 3. Let love and loyalty always show like a necklace and write them in your mind. Remember that word always from verse 3. Always. When he talks about love and loyalty, he's talking about them being at the very forefront of our life, like a necklace, so everybody can see it, everybody can notice it. Everybody can ask, what's that all about? Why is that on your neck? Why are you living that way? Why are you different from someone else? You see, when we engage in a lifestyle of generosity, it sets us apart from the world. Have you figured it out? Most people who don't know Jesus are skin flints. They're tight with their time, they're tight with their talent, they're tight with their money. They're selfish and selfish driven. It's all about them. But when we engage with Holy Spirit in a lifestyle of generosity, then we find ourselves doing iron horse ministries. Sheldon hadn't worked on a bike, but when he told me this concept, I said, yeah, that's wonderful, I love it. You know, there's several things I love in life. I love God. I love that little blonde sitting right here, and aren't you glad she's back in service this morning? Amen, me too, you can give her a hand, that would be okay. I love my family, and I love Harley Davidson's. So I love this concept, and I believe we're gonna be able to bless another group that I love, and that's our veterans, and let them see the love of God in a visible, tangible form. So he said, wear it always, that necklace of love and loyalty, in the very forefront of our life. He didn't just say love, he said loyalty. And if there's anything that's lacking in the American church, it's loyalty. We're loyal as long as we're happy. We're loyal as long as we're not offended. We're loyal as long as everything goes our way. But my goodness, if somebody says the wrong thing, if somebody challenges us the wrong way, if they sing the wrong songs, by the way, didn't you like my eyes on the sparrow? Amen. Powerful, powerful song. Thank you, Amy. If we don't do it the way we want it, then our loyalty is gone. You know, folks, it's time that you and I said, this is where God planted me, and this is where I'm staying. Love the way you're shouting now. It's about loyalty. Not loyalty to a preacher, loyalty to a king who has put you in a place where you can be used to expand the kingdom of God. And if you never grasp loyalty in the kingdom, you will never become what God wants you to be. Love and loyalty. Jesus said, by this all men will know you're my disciples, by the fact you have love one for another. When you put these things at the forefront of your life, he said, then God and people will consider you a success. Look at verse four. God and people will like you and hold you in high esteem. Can I give you a tip? 
You know how, how to get people to like you? Quit talking about yourself and let them talk about themselves. They'll think you're the greatest conversationalist they've ever met because you engaged in their life. Drives me nuts when I run into somebody and from the moment I meet them, here we go, all about them. I wanna say, take a beat, take a breath. Let's do something different. Let's let God speak through your life. As long as you're doing this, you'll never hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to learn to shut up so God's voice can speak very loudly and very clearly to us. When we do this, God and people will like you and hold you in high esteem. Verses five and six, many of you have that memorized from the King James or the New King James. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not under your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I love that scripture. It's a staple. It's a foundation. It's something that we can always build our lives upon. Read it from the contemporary English version. With all your heart, you must trust the Lord, not your own judgment. I guarantee you, when you get in trouble, when you make a bad decision, it's because you're trusting your own judgment, not God's. Because God doesn't make bad decisions. God doesn't give bad advice. God doesn't steer you down the wrong path. God doesn't hook you up with the wrong partner. God doesn't cause you to be in relationships you shouldn't be in. It's when you choose and I choose to make our own decisions based from our own judgment that we miss what God wants us to do and we find ourselves in trouble. He says in verse six, always let him lead you. He will clear the road for you to follow. Remember that word all from the verse five, and remember the word always from verse six, always let him lead you. And the writer tells us if we do these things, I love the way it says it, he will clear the road for you. I grew up in Western Oklahoma. We had all kinds of snowstorms and blizzards through the wintertime. When I was a sophomore in high school, we had 32 inches of snow in March, and that was in the trees where the wind wasn't blowing. Out on the road in front of our house, there was an 80-acre wheat field across the road. The wind blew from the north in that snowstorm, and we had snowdrifts 10 and 12 foot deep. The road was completely blocked. It took five days for a bulldozer to get there to be able to move those drifts out, so he cleared the road for us. What am I saying to you? I'm saying when we stop trusting and obeying God, there will be times when the storms blow into our lives. There will be times when things come against us, when the wind is adverse, when things begin to pile up and the road is blocked. But if we'll come back and trust in the Lord with all of our heart, if we'll always lean on him and not our own judgment, then he clears the road in front of us. I like that. When we lived in Colorado, we noticed that they prepared before the storms came, put a special application on the highways so they wouldn't freeze over. The snow plows were out from the first time the snowflakes started snowing. They were constantly clearing the roads. That's what Holy Spirit does for us. When we hear the word, abide in the word, he's constantly clearing the road ahead of us. He's moving the obstacles and the barriers. He's taking out of the way those things that distract us from the living God and the will of the living God. Oh, when we choose to live generously, when we trust and obey, he clears the road ahead of us. That's pretty good preaching. Amen. Good job, Steve. 
Verse seven, don't ever think you're wise enough. Think about that word ever. Don't ever think you're wise enough. But respect the Lord. Stay away from evil. Verse eight, if we do this, this will make you healthy and feel strong. And now to verse nine. Honor the Lord by giving him your money and the first part of all your crops. Again, think about that word, all, all your crops. Then you'll have more grain and grapes than you will ever need. Wow, what a promise. Honor him with your money, first part of all your crops. Then you will have more grain and grapes than you will ever need. We are living in a challenging economy. Inflation has been high. Our money has shrunk. Prices have increased. It's harder and harder to make the ends meet. I've got news for you. When we choose to honor the Lord with our money and give him the first of all of our crops, then he has promised to meet every need in our grain and our grapes. What we need to survive will always be enough. Folks, it's time to stop listening to the news and start reading the word and hearing the word. It's time to stop wringing your hands about your finances and start believing that my God is able. My God is able to pour out upon me blessings that are abundant, blessings that are more than enough. He's able to meet my needs and prove himself as the God who can in my life. Pastor Leo quoted this scripture when he did the offering, Luke 6, 38. Given will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. I've told people for years, I don't want to use a teaspoon when I'm given to God. I want to use a scoop shovel. I don't have a little bitty form of measure. I want to give the biggest thing I can possibly give. Now I'm talking about your money. We need to understand there's a correlation, a relationship between the financial blessing God has promised and our liberality with the kingdom of God. And when we choose to be liberal and generous, it opens the windows of heaven and God meets our needs. Even when we lose our job, God meets our needs. Even when we don't have enough money, God meets our needs. I don't understand it, but I guarantee you the 90% goes a whole lot further than the 100% when you give the first 10 to the kingdom of God. It's a scriptural divine principle that has worked for centuries and will continue to do so. People say, well, that's Old Testament. Shouldn't be preaching Old Testament. Don't even get me started. If you're one of those knuckle-headed believers that think you only read the New Testament, then you need to grow up and wake up. There is great stuff in the Old Testament that brings you hope, encouragement, guidance, direction, that builds your faith and increases your faith. And if you say that's not for me today, you're wrong. It is for you today. And you need to begin digesting it, reading it, living in it. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, they who sow sparingly shall also reap sparingly. He went on to say in verse 10, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you're enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving 
through us to God. See, it's not about me and you. It's not about a church budget. It's about honoring God. And when we honor God, we have reason to give praise and thanksgiving to him. Very quickly, these commands are all inclusive. There is no loopholes. There is no, no exceptions. There are no leaks. When the writer said, I want you to understand that trust is the total commitment of your heart and mind, he meant trust is the way we live generously. 1 John 2, 4, he says, it says, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. You see, if we love God, we trust him. If we trust God, we obey him. And when we trust and obey, the blessing of God is unlocked in our lives. Matthew 7, 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven. It's about trust and obedience. You will never obey someone that you don't trust. You'll never follow someone that you don't trust. And trust is earned. How do we earn, how do we understand and begin to live in God's trust? By trying what he said to be true. By putting to the test and seeing that yes, his word is yea and amen over our lives today. By understanding he is the provider of all things, the maker of all things, the supplier of all things. And everything that I have comes from him. When I trust him, then I'm willing to obey him. We also understand these commands proceed a promise. God tells us if we trust and obey, then he does some wonderful things in return. Some in this room, some online would dare to say, well, God has never done anything for me. My response would be, have you tried trusting him and obeying him? Because I'm pretty certain you haven't. Because if you've trusted God and if you obey God, he will do mighty things for you. He will show you and amaze you his wonderful power being poured out upon you. When we say we, God's never done anything for us, it's because we've never lived in a relationship of trust and obedience with the Father. Now hear me. If my wife, my little cappuccino, blonde and hot, if she asked me for something, I would move heaven and earth to get it because I love her because I trust her and I know she isn't going to ask me for something that can't be done. I would do anything to meet that need and meet that request. But if Joe Blow walks in the back door on Monday morning and demands money, I'm gonna be a little more skeptical. I'm gonna say, I don't know you. I'm gonna say, tell me your story. I'm gonna qualify that dude because I don't know him. I won't be so easy to give to someone that I don't trust and that I don't know as I am to someone that I do trust and know. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we trust God, then we can understand he will never harm our lives. There's an enemy out there that wants to destroy us, but the good news is Satan, the blood of Jesus, is against you. And we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, word of our testimony. And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And we are more than conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody hear me. When we trust him, all of that unfolds in our lives. Every bit of it. And the promises are conditional. When we do our part, God does his part. If we trust him completely, if we obey him completely, 
And my goodness, he's had some great things to unlock in our lives. Three things and I'm done. Number one, I want you to understand God is trustworthy. Isaiah 26, 3. Tom, would you come back? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You know, the main thing Christians are looking for today is peace. Because we live in a world of chaos and confusion because there are so many competing voices. Because culture tells us so many things that arise from the pit of hell. Our peace is disturbed. It's unsettled. It's not constant. But the prophet Isaiah wrote it thousands of years ago. He who trusts in me, he who trusts in me will find that perfect peace. Perfect peace. Let it settle into your heart today. Two, God is entrusted, placed within our care, everything that we have. <coughs> every possession, every talent, every ability, all of our time, he's placed with, comes from God. I mean, think about it. One of our most precious resources today is our time. We hoard it. We don't want to share it. But when we give it to God, He does great things in us and through us. And number three, we're trustees of everything. We are trustees of everything that God has given us. Ask yourself this morning. Stand with me across the room. Ask yourself, do I trust God? Where do I place my faith? Where do I place my confidence? Proverbs 18, 10 and 11 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, like a high wall in his own esteem. The CEV translates it this way. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it to be an unscalable wall. See, who do you trust? What do you trust? Where is your trust placed today? It's easy to say, I trust God. It's easy to say, I obey God. <coughs> but for personal introspection, <coughs> ask yourself, do I trust Him? Is He truly my source? Do I trust Him in everything? Do I obey Him in everything? Or is it limited and selective? It's such an incredible question. Do I really trust God? Am I really obeying God? Over the last few weeks praying over this message and thinking about it, I've come to conclusion that the only way to success in the kingdom and in this life is through trust and obedience in the living God. There are no shortcuts. There is no other way around. Do I trust God? 
and do I obey God? Let me ask you one more question. This one may make you sweat bullets. Can God trust me? Can God trust me? Have I proven to be a trustworthy person? Can he give me what he wants to give me and know that I am trustworthy to manage it? Or am I one of those people who are trustworthy in some areas, but in other areas I say, nah, you can't touch that, God. That's mine. The invitation is really simple. You can respond forward. You can stay where you're at. I really don't care because it's not about me. It's about you and God. If you need to work on trust, if you need to say, God, I haven't trusted you fully, then you need to respond. If you say, I haven't obeyed him fully, then you need to respond. Or if you say, I haven't been trustworthy, forgive me, Father. Give me another chance. Allow your Holy Spirit to live in me. I want to be a better person, a better Christian, a better believer, a better disciple than I was when I walked into this room this morning. I want to be trustworthy. Father, right now, I pray for your people, for this church, for those that are in this room, for those that are online, for those that are watching the days, the weeks, and the months ahead, that that question will penetrate hearts. Am I trustworthy? Can God trust me? if the answer is I don't know then bring them to a place of confrontation and change by your Holy Spirit deliver them from the evil one break that band of selfishness that's held them back we know our hearts are not capable of containing your love it's too great it flows out of us and it flows out of us in compassion Lord I pray that in this room this morning you would lay your hand on men and women and boys and girls and teenagers call them into your service call them into places in the kingdom where their life will be a light that reflects yours Give them a heart and a desire to trust you and to obey you. And in doing so, make us trustworthy. Make us trustworthy. I ask it in your mighty name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The altar is open if you choose to respond. I just want this message to resonate, to settle into your spirit. I want you to be chewing on it all week and asking yourself the question, do I fully trust God? Do I completely obey God? And am I trustworthy? And if you have a question mark behind any of those questions, then ask the Holy Spirit to engage with you again and bring change into your heart and into your life. Thank you for being here this morning. May the face of God shine upon you.
May his blessings go before you and behind you. May he meet every need represented in your life and prove to you his trustworthiness in your life today. Be back Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Small groups will be meeting. I'll be teaching the class on the gifts of the Spirit in the fellowship hall, student ministries, young adult ministries, Doug Apple's class, Alyssa Bedford's class are all joining us in there. We encourage you to come and be a part. Bring someone with you. God bless you, Yvonne, and I love you. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.